0: you got the bus And now shining the spotlight on the future of hockey the world juniors Josh Rawolf walks in the
1: Major Junior.
2: This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Campbell's Blazers. Hey, it's Matt Potcher from the Guelph Storm. This is Akhler LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. That's Igoche. I play for the Quebec Ramparts. Hey guys, this is Ty Nelson from the North Bay Battalion, and this is the Pipeline Chill. NCAA. This is Ryan McAllister for the Western Michigan Broncos. This is Wyatt Kaiser from Minnesota Toulouse. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota.
3: The NHL Draft. This is Adam Fantilli of the
2: University of Michigan. This is Ryan Leonard. I play for Team USA. I'm Nate Danielson of the Brandon v Kings. My name is Adam Giam. I'm playing for people off field. Hi, I'm Grayson Sochin I'm with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey,
1: this is Jacob Fowler, goaltender for the Youngstown Phantoms.
2: I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pats and
1: this is the Pipeline Show.
0: And more. Bring This is the Pipeline Show. <laughs> This is The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I'm very excited to be speaking with you today, and I'm looking forward to today's episode of the program. Christmas right around the corner. Perhaps you're like me and out doing some last-minute shopping this time of year. Never seems to fail. Every year, I find myself probably in West Edmonton Mall. What a zoo that place can be at this time. But regardless, I'm glad that uh, we can spend a little time together. Whether you're listening to this because you downloaded this week's episode at Spotify or iTunes or iHeartRadio or the Podbean, wherever you get your podcast from, or maybe you're listening to EdmontonSportsTalk.com, that would make it either a Saturday afternoon or a Monday evening. I had the pleasure of being on the EST Hangout this past week. Myself, Dash in the Park, with Matthew Awanek and Tom Gazzola. Always a great time to uh, join those guys they got a great little setup. If you haven't been to their building yet, you should check that out. And I haven't been able to find the Six O'Clocker Lager, which the boys had produced with Alley Cat, local brewery here in Edmonton. But apparently, it's delicious. Reminder that this program, The Pipeline Show, is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. You can't win friends with salad. And that's one of the reasons why I recommend Wilhock so much. It's absolutely the best beef jerky that I've ever had. You can go to Leduc or Spruce Grove or the kiosk in West Edmonton Mall. Hey, while you're doing some last-minute Christmas shopping, stop by the kiosk. It's right by the Ice Palace, and you can get some uh, delicious Wilhock beef jerky in time for Christmas. Need some stocking stuffers? Check it out. You'll see what I'm talking about. And your taste buds will thank you for it. Make sure you tell them that the Pipeline Show sent you. I have three guests on this week's episode. There was supposed to be four, but one of them, I just, I've been having trouble with this one CHL team uh, to land this specific player. It looks like that won't happen before the new year. So it's three guests this week, but it's a really good show. As always, though, we start with some news and notes around the Canadian Hockey League, Tier 1 Junior Hockey in North America, and we'll look at college hockey as well. Let's start with the CHL's top 10 coming into this weekend's play. Holding steady at the top spot, Bay Como, The Drakkar just playing fantastic hockey here as of late. The Kitchener Rangers move up to number two. That knocks Prince George down a spot. They are now the third-ranked team in the nation, followed by the Sioux Greyhounds, the Saskatoon Blades, the Saginaw Spirit, the Halifax Mooseheads, the Moncton Wildcats, the Wenatchee Wild, and the Roan Huskies. It's the Q that has four teams in the top ten this week. Three each from the OHL and the WHL. Speaking of the Q, big news this week in the formerly known as the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Now, it's the Quebec Maritimes Junior Hockey League. So it retains the initials, the QMJHL, the acronym. But they've changed the M from Major Junior to Maritimes Junior. Just to show a little respect to the uh, six maritime-based franchises. And not just that, but all the fans and the talent pool. There's so many players now coming from the Maritimes. I think this is something that's been long overdue. I would have actually gone with the EHL, the Eastern Hockey League, so it matches with the WHL. There is a Tier 3 league in the United States. I don't even think it's a sanctioned league. I don't believe it falls under the USA Hockey umbrella. But I would have went with the EHL, the Eastern Hockey League. The Quebec Maritimes Junior Hockey League, it's still a mouthful. Everybody's still going to call it the Q anyway. But the Eastern Hockey League, the EHL, would have left the door open for... Maybe there's a franchise that goes back in Newfoundland one day. And that would still fall under Maritimes, so that, that would be okay. But what if they go into the States? What if 10, 15 years from now there's a team again in Maine or Vermont or New Hampshire? I think the WHL covers the Western American teams as well as the four western provinces, and the EHL would have done the same. Anyway, splitting hairs, I think it's a positive move. I know some people, uh, especially in Quebec, uh, had their feathers ruffled when uh, the name change was announced a couple of days ago. Let's move on. The World Junior A Challenge is uh, well underway. In fact, it's wrapping up here in the next few days. As I'm speaking with you right now, it is uh, Friday, around lunchtime. That would be December 15th. There are a couple of games today. In fact, I believe one is on right now. The standings coming into today have Canada East and the United States tied with perfect 3-0 records they play tonight. Sweden is playing Slovakia right now. Sweden and Canada West currently have three points. So it's, it's a very short tournament, but you've got two unbeaten teams, two teams with just one win and Slovakia, who has uh, not had a very good tournament. They are 0-3 right now and desperately need a win against Sweden. And even then, that would tie them with Canada West. And I think with the head-to-head, I'm not sure what the tiebreaker is, but it may already be a fait accompli in terms of Slovakia not moving on. I hope to have a guest on next week to uh, wrap up what they saw at the uh, World Junior A Challenge. That's out in Truro, Nova Scotia. A tie between four players uh, atop the tournament scoring. Three of them from Team USA. That'd be James Reeder playing for the Americans. He His club team would be the Dubuque Fighting Saints. Max Swanson, who's playing, I believe it's Fargo. Yes, it is. Uh, Trevor Connolly, also from the United States, who is uh, connected to the Tri-City Storm. And the only non-American who's uh, tied amongst that group at the top would be Dylan Edwards playing for... Canada East, his club team, the Toronto Patriots, out of the OJHL. More news this week. The host team for the 2025 Memorial Cup has been decided. It will be Rimouski, the Oceanec, will be the host club. This year it's in Saginaw in the Ontario Hockey League. Then it goes to the Q. It was going to be them or Schwinigan. Schwinigan has hosted a couple of times in recent memory. Rimouski is also hosted, but it's been a little while. Longer, anyway. Uh, So they are the team. I'm a little surprised that uh, Moncton didn't get into this with a brand new building. But I know we've talked about that in the past with some of our guests uh, from the queue. How about this story out of the Western Hockey League? Goaltender Joshua Ravensbergen plays for the Prince George Cougars and is having an, an unbelievable start to his WHL career. He's got six shutouts which ties the record for rookie goaltenders. And it's not even Christmas. 17-year-old goaltender, he's listed at 6'4", 180 pounds. Where was he drafted? No, he wasn't. Just a great story happening right now in the Western Hockey League for this young man. Obviously, he's got a really, really good team in front of him. The game where he actually tied the record, he only faced 16 shots. But let's not take anything away from him. That's an incredible feat. Seven other goaltenders have uh, done this as well, going all the way back to Ray Martinuk, who played for the Flin Flon Bombers back in 1968-69. Donovan Dunweiler, back in the 1997 season, he was with Moose Jaw. Kelly Gard of the Kelowna Rockets did it way back in 2003. Dustin Slade, who played for Kamloops and Regina, that was in the uh, 2003-04 season. Two goalies did it in 2005. That was Tyler Plant from Brandon and uh, Matt Keatley of the Medicine Hat Tigers, who I remember very well. And most recently was uh, back in 2009, Jamie Tucker of the Vancouver Giants. Pretty unbelievable. The Cougars' next game is on uh, Saturday, I believe, in Vancouver. He's got half a season to do it one more time and set a new record. Unbelievable. Last news and notes item uh, from the CHL that I wanted to mention. Uh, the rebranding that some teams have been uh, playing with the last uh, year or two in the Western Hockey League—it's—it's it's pretty entertaining, actually. Uh, remember last year, I believe it was the Swift Current Broncos. It, it was a—it's a one-day thing, a one-game thing, where they renamed themselves the uh, Slough Sharks. You get specialty jerseys for the one game. They sell like bananas. In fact, the bananas—that was the Saskatoon Blades. They did that. I think they've actually done it a couple times. It seems to be a very big hit this year. The Brandon Wheat Kings did a one-game rebrand as the Wheat City Walleye. Well, now the Prince Albert Raiders are getting into the action. For one game, they will rename themselves the Cobra Chickens, which is hilarious. Pretty awesome. Teams are having fun with it. I think it's great. You know, some teams will choose to do like a theme night or something. The Oil Kings just did a Star Wars night. Although they didn't have different jerseys anymore. They've done that a couple of times in the past. I like these little uh, tongue-in-cheek rebrandings. If you're a fan of a WHL team that hasn't done this yet, what would you like to see your team do? Remember, it's got to be funny. It's got to be creative. I think of my beer league hockey team, there's a rural community outside of Edmonton called Blueberry. And we had a bunch of guys on the team from that area. So we adopted that name, Blueberry. We were from Blueberry. And if you're from Blueberry, what are you going to call your team? Well, we were the Blueberry Muffins, which is pretty funny for a hockey team. And we had an angry Blueberry Muffin cartoon, Blueberry Muffin as our logo. Had a snarl on his face. It was great. So something along those lines, what would you do? You know, maybe your your town or your city has a nickname that you can kind of lean into. I don't know. Edmonton is like Deadmonton or something. Maybe it's the Deadmonton Zombies. That might not even be good enough. Anyway, think of something. Hit me up on Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy. I saw a team in the USHL, the Tri-City Storm, announced that they have signed Ilya Morozov to a USHL tender for next season. And the reason this one, it just kind of stood out to me, it's it's another Russian player who's going to the USHL, kind of like Artem Levshunov, who uh, played, well, he's at college now, and maybe that was always his intention, but uh, played in the USHL for the Green Bay Gamblers last year. And of course, Russia and Belarus, two countries who are banned from international play right now. So those guys are looking for somewhere to go to be seen, to get exposure, and they can't play in the CHL. It kind of reminds me, they're ending up in the USHL now, and it reminds me of when the CHL had the import goaltender ban. I understand the reasoning why, the Belarusians and the uh, Russians are not eligible to play in the CHL, but it seems like the USHL is really benefiting from that policy. Maybe I don't know how you feel about. It. Maybe you think either the CHL should lift and remove that policy, or the USHL. It reflects badly on the USHL that they don't have the same policy. I guess there's two ways to look at it. You could probably make an argument in either case. Why don't you let me know how you feel about that again on X Twitter? at TPS underscore Gi. Lastly, we can look at the top 20 poll put together by U.S. College Hockey Online, USCHO. Many teams have now entered the holiday break, so they won't play again until after Christmas. But there are still some games going on this weekend. But going into the Christmas break for most teams, here is the top 20 uh, for USCHO. Boston College is now ranked number one, followed by Boston University. Quinnipiac at three, then you've got North Dakota and Denver, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Maine, Minnesota, and Providence College. At 11, you have another team from Hockey East. That would be Massachusetts. Then it's Western Michigan, Arizona State, St. Cloud State moves up a spot. The Michigan Wolverines are now at 15. New Hampshire is 16, Cornell, RIT, Penn State, and into the top 20 for the first time in a long time, Colorado College. And before I tell you about the guest list, I guess I should comment on the World Junior selection for uh, Team Canada. The one that really surprised me was Jagger Furcus, who did not make the cut for Team Canada. Canada has only named 22 players, right now just 12 forwards. They will, I'm, I'm assuming, add one more. I think they're hoping to get someone out of the NHL, like Zach Benson or Matthew Poitras, but those teams don't seem to be uh, listing. So I would expect Canada still to add someone. Maybe it is Jagger Furkus, But he apparently didn't have a great camp. So maybe it's someone like Denver Barkey. I'd be surprised if it was someone that wasn't at the camp. I'm still a little bit surprised Riley Height wasn't invited to the camp. But it's hard for me to imagine that he would be the extra guy added on when he wasn't at the camp at all. We'll see what Canada decides to do. The United States camp is uh, on this weekend. They and Sweden going into the tournament appear to be the two favorites all my guests join me courtesy the troubled monk hotline based out of red deer troubled monk is open year round you can go into the tap room and uh, have some grub and some uh, exclusive beers right on tap i shouldn't just say exclusive beers it's craft beverages worth sharing sure you can go in you can get a golden gates or a pesky pig or a daycation but you can also get the original hard iced tea that's the troubled tea you can get sodas, you can get vodka, you can get gin, lots to pick from. Go to troubledmonk.com shop, see what they have to offer right now because that is where you can check their inventory and it changes often. So make sure you're going back regularly. All right, let's get to the guest list. And uh, this week I have three guests for you. We're going to start with the Ontario Hockey League and get an update from the OHL. Brad Cogemilio covers the Sioux Greyhounds for Sioux Today. We don't focus exclusively on the Greyhounds, as thankfully Brad gets to see uh, all the teams in the Ontario Hockey League. So we uh, branch out from Sault Ste. Marie to get an overhead view of uh, what's happening in the O. From there, we have two guests, both eligible for the upcoming 2024 NHL draft, starting with Tanner Howe of the Regina Pats, who is a fantastic player, who obviously the last couple of years he's been playing in uh, someone else's shadow. That player is now in Chicago, and it's time for Tanner Howe to uh, step into the spotlight, and he's taken advantage of that this season. We'll see him here in Edmonton this weekend as the Oil Kings are playing host to the Regina Pats on Sunday. And we'll wrap things up this week with a player that's eligible for the draft, given a B rating by NHL Central Scouting, so a probable second-round pick. He's a six-foot-six, two 210-pound right-handed centerman that a lot of people don't know yet. His name is Dean Letourneau, playing for St. Andrews College in Ontario, and we'll get to know him and why the Scouts have him on their radar. So a big show, we'll start with Brad Cogimilio looking at the Ontario Hockey League. He is up first here on The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's Matt Potra from the Guelph Storm. Potra dangles
3: and scores! Matt Potra! spectacular spin move out of the corner and pots
0: it and this is the pipeline show
3: don buddy want to come over and watch the game i'll make a big salad uh i don't know man steve come over and watch the game i've got a massive salad here yeah my wife needs me to go shopping with her mike want to watch the game and eat salad with me who is this? Did I mention I've got a bunch of Will Hawk beef jerky, too? I'll be right over. I'm heading over now. I'm already at your front door. Wilhawk beef jerky, because you don't win friends with salad. Wilhawk is the home of Alberta's best beef jerky in Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hot damn! Continuing on with the Pipeline Show, and we're going to head out to the Ontario Hockey League. Quick reminder, though, about the program brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Uh, it's Alberta's best. You can get it throughout Western Canada by going to com. My next guest, I'll have to uh, drive into uh, Manitoba or get a mailbox out there, Brad, so that you can have uh, the Wilhock Beef Jerky sent to you. It's uh, Brad Cogemilio uh, joining me once again. Uh, Brad, welcome back. How are things?
3: Uh, things, are, things are good. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely... Uh... Got a few. I think I've got a couple of friends that are still based in Manitoba. Might have to, uh, might have to call in a favor to, the, to them one of these days.
0: All right, perfect. Uh, okay, let's get to it because the uh, the CHL top ten as we're speaking right now. It's Tuesday and it uh, just hit my inbox, and I see again the Sioux Greyhounds uh, going up, up, up again, and uh, now sitting at number four overall in the CHL coming into this weekend's play. Uh everything seems to be going the Greyhounds way right now. They're winners of four straight. They're 7-1 and 2 in their last 10. What's happened here for the Greyhounds?
3: Yeah, you know, it's been a been a drastic drastic change for for them over over last year. This was a, you know, a team that really really struggled last year. Um, you know, they had a hard time scoring goals. They lost a, you know, an absolute ton of one-goal games and um, you know, I, admittedly during the summer I thought it was going to be Um, You know, they were going to be better, but I I never anticipated that they were going to be this much better this quick. Um, You know, they've been real good in one goal games this year, um, which is, you know, polar opposite of last year. Um, You know, adding Jack Beck, who is a former Calgary flame pick uh, as an overage, you know, he's had a real great year. Bryce McConnell Barker, uh, he did get hurt over the weekend and his status for um, this last week of games going into Christmas is kind of up in the air. They're not sure, uh, He's going to be able to play after taking a hit, but uh, you know he's been he's been a lot better lately. Um, you know, defensively they've been uh, they've been real good. Their goaltending's you know taken a step up here uh, over the last few weeks, and um, you know Charlie Schenkel's been real good there. Uh, yeah, this is a team that I think has has surprised a lot of people in terms of just how quick they got better. I thought, you know, for me I, I anticipated this team being like another year away from maybe, you know, being this good, but uh they went young last year and um, you know, it seemed to uh it seemed to really pay off as you know we're hitting mid-December, and uh, you know they've got 20 wins, and um, you know have played some real, real good hockey and beat some real good teams, uh, you know, over the first half of the season here so far.
0: 132 goals four at this point. I was just looking at the uh, the scoring leaders. Only Jack Beck is in the top 30 in the OHL scoring race. So that tells me that they're getting it from lots of different angles. Like this, It seems like it's offense by committee, and usually when you say that, it's because you don't have a guy who's going to lead you in scoring, so you need everybody to, to pull together. And, uh, But it seems like the Greyhounds have that offensive depth that, maybe as you described at the start, kind of surprising almost.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a team that's got, uh, I think they've got seven or eight guys right now with uh, with like 10 goals. They've got... You know, five or six guys with thirty plus points right now. Um, you know, and and like you said, they've been getting it from all over. It's you know, they've got a kind of a core group of forwards that have chipped in. Um, you know, on the blue line, R. Two Karki, who's uh you know a Vegas pick and uh, came over in the import draft, has been extremely good. Uh, you know, especially on the power play. Ah, uh, Kirill the Russian import, uh, who's been here for a couple of years, has been real good, and you know Andrew Gibson has given them a little bit of a uh, little bit of depth offensively on the blue line as well. But you know, like you said, it's been it's been spread out real well um, this year, and uh, you know, like I said, I mean, I, I expected this team to have have some trouble scoring this year, but uh, you know, getting Jack back into the lineup is kind of you know give them a little bit of an anchor there, and uh, you know, everyone else has has really followed suit real well here over. Uh, over the first few months of the year.
0: On the other side of the uh, the ledger, uh, goaltending wise, neither goaltender has a uh, like they're both sub 900 save percentage and uh, over three goals against. So it almost, from the outside looking yeah. in, I haven't seen the Greyhounds play at all, but it looks like they're outscoring some some defensive uh, weaknesses or maybe some flaws or maybe flat out average to below average goaltending. How would you describe it?
3: Yeah. I mean, there was, uh, you know, I feel like there was a stretch up until lately where, you know, there were nights where their goaltending was, you know, was, and I I think the team would admit this as well was, was below average. Um, You know, Charlie Schenkel has been, been the starter and, the weird thing with Charlie is, um, you know, last year on a real bad team, uh, you know, he was, there were nights where he was extremely, extremely good. And um, then he got hurt. He missed an extended period. Uh, he got injured in warm-up in a, in a game and, and missed an extended period. I believe it was a couple months. And, um, you know, he he wasn't really the same after he got back from injury. And I think that, I think that carried over a little bit into this year as well, um, especially the early parts of the year. Um, You know, he had a tendency to give up, uh, to give up a a bad goal here and there that, you know, you could see his confidence kind of waver a little bit when that happened. But um, the last, uh, I I would say probably about the last three weeks, he's been, uh, he's been real good. Uh, You know, he made some real big saves over the weekend uh, in a couple of games here in the Sioux and. Um, he looks like he's found that groove and you know played more the way we saw him prior to his injury last year and and I I, I think if you get that Charlie Schenkel the rest of the year the, the team's goaltending should be in pretty good shape um you know but the key is gonna him kind of keeping that consistency um you know and carrying this over uh, you know they brought in a new goalie coach this year uh, as well in Mark Byzantine who um you know he's a former former pro he's uh, you know relatively recent played uh, played in the OHL was uh, you know was a star you know, kind of a star goaltender in the league for for a handful of years, and you know they worked real well, and, and Mark's been working real well with uh, with Charlie, and you know they seem to have him on the, on the right path here. Like I said, over the last few weeks, but uh, it definitely was, you know, it definitely goaltending definitely was a concern, uh, you know, early on. I think now over the last few weeks, it's you know it's starting to play itself all more, and we're starting to see him, uh, you know, kind of get back to where you would want him to be if you're, if you're looking to make a run.
0: Well, the Greyhounds are leading the West Division. They have a seven-point lead over the next closest team, but uh, the Saginaw Spirit have three games in hand, and they are just as much on fire, it seems like, as the uh, the Greyhounds are. Uh, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10, uh, and this is a team that really floundered out of the gate. We know they're hosting the Memorial Cup. They've started to tinker with that roster. I guess they started way back in the summer uh but the, this is a it seems like it's taken a little while for them to to come together as a group when you've seen Saginaw play are they looking more like the team we all kind of expected that they would be
3: yeah i, I just saw them uh i believe it was last week uh saw them a couple times and um it, it's a team that they definitely look a lot better than they did early in the year um you know like you mentioned they you know they've tinkered with their lineup they added uh uh you know a couple of big names in, in Rodman Dionisio and uh and Alex Christopoulos uh Dionisio's an Anaheim uh Anaheim prospect uh defenseman and Christopoulos a high scoring overage forward and you know those guys have kind of come in and, and helped as well Christopoulos has you know been in and out of the lineup a little bit with injuries but you know a big addition for them still and um you know they're just coming off a, a recent 10 game winning streak as well they've uh you know they've really started to put their uh, put their game together nicely, and um, you know if, if things kind of keep trending the way they are, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting ride at the at the top of the West Division between them and uh, and the Greyhounds. And I mean these are both teams that were were you know were bidding on the Memorial Cup this year that ended up going to Saginaw. So you know these are two teams that expected to be good this year, and I think now we're um you know we're really starting to see how good these teams might uh might end up being the rest of the year
0: has michael mista had the season that people expected him to have he's uh he's over a point per game not way past a, a point per game but he's fourth on his team in scoring right now which might surprise some people
3: yeah i think that you know i think that does surprise me a little bit um you know but that also being said he's playing on a you know on a team that's a, a little deeper offensively than maybe he has in uh you know, in years past. And and I think that's kind of um, coming out as well. And that's a, you know, that's a Saginaw team that they're, uh, you know, their offense is is real solid this year. They, um, you know, their top two lines are, you know, I would say are probably as good, if not better than any other top, any top two lines in, um, in the OHL right now. They're, you know, they're pretty solid, uh, pretty solid top six. Um, you know, but I, again, I mean, I feel like Michael Mesa's, um, you know, you you always have that expectation, right? When he's, uh, you know, when a player's granted exceptional status, regardless yeah. of who it is, there's always going to be that high expectation. And uh, you know, I, I feel like our expectations are always going to be pretty high of him. And um, you know, I, I feel like he's going to be uh, he's going to be real solid going forward.
0: Brad Cogemilio from Suit Today and my guest here on the Pipeline Show, bringing us up to speed on what's happening in the Ontario Hockey League. And uh, we haven't mentioned them yet, but the Kitchener Rangers are leading the league uh, in uh, the standings and uh, again this is a team i don't know if they expected to be where they are at the start of the season uh, but man that's a pretty impressive group they've got the three top scorers in the league right now uh, have you seen kitchener in person yet
3: i haven't in person i have uh, i have had a chance to to watch a handful of the of their games though this year uh, you know via chl tv and um, and, and whatnot and I mean, like you said, we, you know, we talk about teams kind of being a surprise coming into this year. And, um, you know, the grounds are certainly one of them. And um, I almost feel like Kitchener maybe is more of a surprise considering, you know, this is a team that loaded up last year, um, you know, squeaked into the playoffs. Uh, swept Windsor in round one, a Windsor team that had loaded up. But, um, you know, now they're back right at the top of the standings. And, um, you know, like you mentioned, their, you know, their offensive depth is really good. Jackson Parsons has been, um, you know, real good in goal. He's had some real strong stretches for them uh, in goal. And, uh, you know, and Carson Rakoff's been, been absolutely great this year. He's a, he's a lot of fun to watch. And, um, you know, that's a team that, I'm definitely surprised is is, you know, has been as good as they were. Um or, or they have been rather. Um, you know, I certainly didn't expect them to be uh be a a top team in the league this year, but they've definitely uh definitely set some high expectations for themselves here uh, going into the second half.
0: Hunter Brustevic on pace for over 100 points as a yep. defenseman. Uh that is ridiculous uh production there. Um who else in the uh in the Western Conference is I don't know if teams have started to separate themselves from the pack in, in general other than Kitchener and the Greyhounds and maybe Saginaw. Uh the London Knights are tied in the standings uh, statistically with Saginaw in the conference. Uh they're in separate divisions, but uh you can never count out the Knights.
3: No, for sure. They were uh they were just in here uh actually over the weekend to play the Greyhounds and um, you know, a real good game and they were minus uh you know, minus some some important pieces as both teams were because of world junior camps and, um, you know, Easton Cowan didn't play He's uh, you know, a highly touted prospect in Toronto and, uh, you know, Denver Barky another one uh, that didn't dress and, um, you know, but they're a team that, like you said, they, you can never count London out. They've got, uh, you know, Michael Simpson was, uh, you know, was great for Peterborough in their run to the Memorial cup last year. Um, you know, so that that's a team that you can never really quite count out. I, I feel like they're, you know, they they they're an organization that always finds a way to kind of be there at the end. Um, you know, and I, I think I would say those are um from what I've seen this year, those would be the top four teams. I I feel like, you know, I I mean a team like Owen Sound is you know, they're they're good, but I don't know that necessarily they would be deep enough to you know, to to make a run here. Um, you know, and then you're looking at teams like, you know, like flint lost a little bit from last year has been kind of average um you know and then teams like windsor sarnia they lost a ton and you're starting to see them kind of go through that rebuild now um as well and you know and then erie the in, in erie the otters are a, you know they're a team that they don't make life easy on a lot of teams um you know stan butler teams are are always tough to play against but uh you know that's also an organization that uh you know, I feel like they're another year away from maybe being, you know, a team that could be really good. They've got some good young pieces there uh, to build on, though. So that's uh, that's a team that's going to be exciting down the road. But like I said, I feel like you know, Kitchener. The Greyhounds, Saginaw, and to a little lesser extent, London, are probably you know would probably be the top teams you know kind of battling and out for the Western Conference.
0: How much crossover is there from conference to conference? I know it's it's compared to the the, the WHL and the Q, it's way easier travel, way less time on the road uh, for OHL clubs. For sure, is is every team playing every other team though, and uh, home and a home, uh, home and away uh, at, at least yeah. once?
3: Yeah, so every team every team uh, you know the way it's set up is it's you know every team you're going to see every team uh you know at least twice during the year one in, once in each building okay. um they do kind of wait the schedule a little bit geographically as well so um, you know sudbury which would be the closest team uh for the greyhounds here in the Sioux is actually in the eastern conference but they actually face the Greyhounds and wolves face each other i think it's six times this year for sure. Um, but then what they do is they also take out like the trip to Erie is, I think it's 10 hours, give or take. Um, so basically in that situation, they've only faced Erie once in each city. So, um, they do have a little bit of geographical stuff that comes into play, but everybody does get to see everybody at least once in each building uh, during the year.
0: So of the teams from the East that uh, that are where they are in the standings, if you've had a chance to see like Ottawa or Brantford or Mississauga or Sudbury, uh, who is standing out from that conference uh, in your opinion?
3: You know what I've liked? I've liked Mississauga so far. Um, you know I, I've seen them a little bit. I mean, Sudbury – but Sudbury is one of those organizations that like on paper, this is a team that I feel like should have been really good this year. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't think they've kind of hit my expectations yet. Um, you know, I, I feel like that's a team that if, if they get it all figured out with guys like David Goyette and Quentin Musty and um, you know, and these guys there like that, that could be a team that's going to be really tough in the Eastern conference. I feel like it's a little more wide open over there. Um, you know, you you might have a handful of teams. Ottawa's goaltending has been really good. Like Colin McKenzie, Max Denoso have been real great for them. So, um, you know, and Dave, I again, Dave Cameron teams are, you know, like Stan Butler teams in a sense where they're always tough to play against. So I, I would never count them out. I mean, I feel like I feel like for me, Mississauga's been the best team I've seen so far. Um, you know, but Sudbury might be one of the more talented teams, um, and just have to find a way to to figure things out. Brantford, you know, Branford's been good. I think they've been, um, you know, they've taken a nice step there and that's good for the organization, you know, especially after the move from Hamilton. You know, I think them being, you know, even moderately successful this year helps in terms of, um, you know, building the fan support in that city uh, as well. So, um, you know, that's going to be fun to watch. But uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, I feel like I feel like Mississauga is the best team at this point. And I, I would say probably, you know, Sudbury would probably be one of the more skilled teams over there that should uh you know again if they figure it out should be able to uh to you know maybe make a bit of a run in the playoffs
0: well that addition of Dalibor Dvorsky in Sudbury seems to have been uh, a pretty good one for them he's got 34 points in just 20 sure. games so he he wasn't there at the start of the year but joined them what a couple of weeks into the season something like that but uh man it doesn't look like it's taken him any time to adjust
3: yeah and and you know what he's he's a guy that's settled in on their top line real well uh you know when they were uh, the last time they were in here, he was on the line with uh, with Quentin Musty, and you know those two guys look real good together. I mean, Dvorsky's, uh you know, he's a, he's a guy that uh, you know, like you said, he's got a lot of skill. Is you know has made the adjustment coming to North America extremely well, um, you know, which is you know a dream for any CHL team, right? Because sometimes you never know just how well you know and how quickly they're going to adjust. So you know that's that's been a huge odd for them for sure.
0: Uh, Any other stories that you're looking for as are there things that are kind of piquing your interest?
3: Yeah, you know what I mean? The Windsor Spitfires as much as, you know, as much as they're a team that's on the rebuild. They, uh, you know, they were really, really poor out of the gate uh, under Jared Smith. I think they had four wins in about 20 games when he got gotten fired. And, uh, you know, now they've got Casey Torres, who was on the coaching staff as their interim coach. And, um, you know, that team's seems to have figured it out a little bit uh you know lately they're playing some decent hockey but uh you know they, they, that's a, that's a team that uh, you know they're they're a little ways away but there's some interesting young talent there with you know anthony Cristoforo and liam greintree or a couple of draft eligible guys that uh you know that i know some people have their eyes on and um you know that's a, that's a team that i'm curious to see how things go now with the uh with the coaching change uh you know it always seems that you know teams after a coaching change they go on a little bit of a you know, sometimes tend to go into a little bit of a hot stretch after it happens. So I'm going to be interested to see how they carry um, this stretch here uh, that they've had, you know, into the Christmas break and see how they uh, see how they play coming out of uh, coming out of Christmas, uh, you know, at the end of the month.
0: You know, about ten years ago, the Flint Firebirds were sort of uh, like a, a black mark. They were almost an embarrassment with stuff that was going <laughs> on on and off the ice. Now that seems to be Niagara. What is happening with the Niagara Ice Dogs oh. over the last three or four years?
3: Yeah, it just it it, it almost feels like it, it's gotten to a point where like every time they every time something happens there where you think okay this is going to make things better it just ends up making things worse. Um, yeah, I mean it's you know it, it's one of those situations where it was you know they they had the you know the ownership change and um, you know some new blood coming in and I I think you know, I think most people and myself included said, Hey, you know what, this is probably going to be good for the organization, you know, get them back on track. And, you know, maybe they'll have, like you said, you know, maybe they'll have a situation similar to Flint where, um, you know, they come in, things change and, uh, you know, things start, you know, working towards kind of the betterment of the organization. And, uh, you know, it just seems to have gotten worse, whether it's, um, you know, trading players where it's, you know, guys come in and they play there for, you know, a few months and end up getting traded and, um, you know, guys getting traded there and, you know, guys like Ryan Humphrey getting traded there and spending some time there and then ended up going to other leagues. And um, it's just been an absolute tire fire, to be honest. And the unfortunate thing is the fans in that city and, and that market in the Niagara region, you know, they they love that organization. And I think now we're starting to see it where, the fans have had enough we're starting to see um you know a little bit of that you know attendance dwindling and right. um, you know fans have said the heck with it at this point and and I can't say I blame them uh you know when you went through everything that went through that went through before with you know the Burks and you know t- messages getting sent out and you know inappropriate messages and you know all these different things, fans were still there, and they were you know they may have been excited when you know, the ownership changes and then all of a sudden it's, well, we would have almost been, you know, the same off if we had just kept the original ownership because this isn't any better. Um, yeah, it's been a real unfortunate situation and that's, you know, that's an organization that's had some, you know, on ice success over the years, you know, previous to all this stuff happening. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I hope they get it figured out, uh, you know, like you said, Flint seems to, you know, even with Rolf Nielsen still involved, Flint seems to have figured it out for the most part. Um, you know, there's always little things, but definitely nothing like before. They seem to have gotten, you know, over the hump a little bit. And, I I mean, I hope for Niagara that happens soon because, like I said, that's, uh, you know, that's an organization that's got, uh, you know, they've got a good region there and, a, you know, a good group of fan support. And, I, you know, I hope for... Their fans that things get figured out there soon because that's uh, you know that's a market that could be you know is a is a critical one I think for the league and a, you know, a good spot to have an organization.
0: Speaking of the league out here, the WHL commissioner Ron Robinson is retiring at the end of this year. In fact, midway through this season, uh, his replacement has been announced. Uh, David Branch doing the same thing in the OHL. Do we know who's taken over for him yet?
3: Yeah, they haven't, uh, they haven't announced a, 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 as far as I know, they have kind of started a, you know, a search, so to speak, in terms of, um, you know, the next, uh, you know, the successor, um, you know, they haven't really said much in terms of whether, you know, they're going to look internally, although there, you know, there are, uh, you know, a handful of people that probably, you know, internally that will probably be solid and, and do a, a great job. I know, David Branch's son, Barkley Branch, has been involved with the league for a few years. You know, between working with teams and now he's working in the league office. I mean, you know, he might be a guy to consider as well. Um, you know, even taking his name, last name, out of the situation. But um, yeah, I mean, they haven't announced. And I mean, the good thing is David Branch is until um, the end of the season, so they've got a little bit of a uh, little bit of time here to, um, you know, to kind of get the interview process and kind of get that whole process through and. Um, you know, make a decision. I'm sure they're going to want to have someone in, you know, at some point during the second half of the year to kind of get them in and, you know, show them the ropes, so to speak, uh, before David Branch uh, finishes up at the end of the year.
0: Great stuff, Brad. As always, really appreciate your time.
3: Uh, we'll chat again in the new year. Awesome. Look forward to it. Always, uh, always a pleasure to be on.
0: That was Brad Cogemilio from Sioux today, covering those Sioux uh, Saint Marie Greyhounds who have been playing some pretty good hockey here as of late making things extra exciting in the Ontario Hockey League in that Western Conference. And I saw some uh, some angry words between, uh, well, at least coming from the London Knights direction. I believe it was Dale Hunter who said after their recent meeting that uh, things will be different when they uh, meet again in London. Look for some payback. So looks like the rivalry there is definitely heating up again. The next two segments are going to be in the 2024 draft spotlight. Uh, we're going to hear from two guys who need to know for the upcoming NHL draft. We're going to start in Regina. Tanner Howe of the Regina Pats. He is up next, joining me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Feist off the boards to center. Now over the bull line,
3: Bedard, high slot, drag. What a move, Bedard! Through the legs! Scores! What a beautiful goal by Connor Bedard in Calgary! Holy smokes!
1: I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pass, and this is the Pipeline Show.
3: The Oil Kings are Edmonton's first choice for family fun.
0: Your Edmonton Oil Kings are back in the thick of it, taking the
1: WHL by storm. And you can be right there cheering them on.
3: Great family entertainment starts at just $20 a seat or never miss a game with season seats as low as $9 per game. Thrilling
1: Western Hockey League action, amazing theme nights, and special price kids' food combos at every home game for $10 or less.
3: The entertainment value is king size.
1: Secure your seat for the next action-packed, exciting Oil Kings home game today at oilkings.ca.
3: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The cream rise to the top. Oh, yeah. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. This is The
0: Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we're going to turn on the 2024 draft spotlight, get to know another player that is uh, eligible for the next NHL draft. And in this segment, we're heading down to Regina. And uh, Tanner Howe of the Regina Pats is my guest. Uh, Tanner, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to get a chance to uh, speak with you. I know you'll be coming up through Edmonton this weekend uh, with the Pats take on the Oil Kings uh, as you make a, a trip through Alberta. Uh, what's the mood of the team right now as uh, you get set for this road trip?
1: Yeah, I think we're uh, energized. I think we got a week off here uh, just to practice and kind of get back at it, and obviously uh, winning the past two games uh, really helped us a lot. So I think, uh, yeah, just really uh, energized and excited to get this weekend going.
0: That's the reason I asked the question, because you look at the last 10 games and it doesn't look like it's gone so well. But you, you talk about uh, winning in yeah. some games and uh, kind of getting the, the feel, the winning feel back because you started the season off so well. Uh, that's the reason I asked the question. What do you think the reason was the team started so well and then kind of faltered a bit?
1: Yeah, I think uh it's the start of the year, I think our first ten games were at the top of the standing. So I think uh just the the culture we built and all that stuff. I mean everyone buying in and, and playing your role, I think that was a big thing in our success. And I think we maybe got away from that. So I think uh after that it's kinda of just going by every day's a new day. Uh come to the ring, be happy, be energized, be excited for that next game. So I think uh kind of got that back into us, and I think it's been working so far, so hopefully keep it going.
0: If there's one thing I've learned about the season this year in the WHL, there's a lot more parity. The, the, the standings are a lot tighter this year than we've seen uh, for the last several seasons where you've had one or two or maybe three or four teams way ahead of everybody else. This year it seems like you could go on a five-game winning streak and jump up five spots in the standings or vice versa if you happen to struggle. You really can't afford to take a night off.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's uh, something our team uh, talks talks a lot about is uh, never never taking a night off. I mean, it can uh, hurt you uh, hurt you pretty bad in the standings, like you said. So I think uh, it's something our team goes by, and uh, we take pride.
0: Tanner, how about for you on a personal level? This is uh, your third full season in the Western Hockey League. You've had two really big years: sixty nine points as a rookie, and last year thirty six goals and eighty five points. A great start again this year: seventeen goals, thirty six points. As we're chatting right now before this uh, road trip how do you feel about the way you've played
1: yeah i think it's uh been pretty good for the most part i think uh i've been consistent and that's so, uh that was obviously a goal of mine coming this, this season i mean try not to take a uh, game off so I yeah, obviously want to keep it up and uh nothing's finished yet so yeah just keep going
0: that c-word consistency uh really seems to be a key for players especially junior hockey players a guy who can find a way to to bring the same effort and the same performance on a nightly basis—that's like striking oil. Uh, how do you do that as a player? Yeah,
1: I think it's just uh, coming to the rink, uh, taking care of your body, and and being consistent in that way, kind of getting those good habits in you. And uh, yeah, I think that's a it's a big thing showing up every night and and knowing your body's ready. And yeah, uh, kind of just having that good mental health space is uh, a big big part of it.
0: How different is your role today than it was when you first started uh, and you pulled out or the the Pats jersey over your head? Uh, now with 3 years 3 seasons under your belt uh or into season 3, you're also wearing the captaincy this year. How does that change things for you?
1: Yeah, I think it changes a little bit. Obviously, uh when I first came uh yeah, just I think now being a leader uh it's a, it's a big part of my game and obviously something I've been working on. I think when I was younger as I knew I was always a leader on the team, but I mean not not wearing an A or a C or anything like that. So I think that's probably the, the biggest jump I've had.
0: Tanner Howe of the Regina Pats, my guest here on the Pipeline show. Uh Tanner, the program is a a junior in college hockey show, so my regular audience will know uh, certainly know about the Regina Pats. They would have been following your club for the last few years, obviously. Uh but they'll know you already too. Uh, casual NHL fans though that might hear this segment, they might not care about junior hockey at all. So, for the benefit of those uh, people in the audience, let's get some background. Uh, where'd you grow up?
1: Yeah, I grew up in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Uh, just three hours from Regina, so it's pretty close to home for me. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's nice
0: for sure. Who got you into hockey at a young age?
1: Ah, uh, for sure, my dad. I think ever since I was little, he kind of wanted me. Playing a lot of sports, and I think I played pretty much all the sports you can name. So I think uh, I found found love for hockey when I was young, and yeah, I think that's uh, he probably got me into that.
0: Well, a how from Saskatchewan. I imagine you get asked all the time if there's any relation at all to the legendary Gordie Howe or anyone in his in his family. Is there any sort of a connection?
1: Uh, no, no, no relation. But yeah, I've I've got that question quite a bit.
0: I'm uh, sure. You're a forward now. Have you always been a forward, Tanner, or did you try other positions uh, as a kid growing up?
1: Uh, yeah, I kind of started out forward. I uh, loved to score goals when I was younger, so I think mm-hmm. that's uh, that's the big reason why I was uh, forward. But I mean, in in when I was little playing minor hockey or something like that, you're blowing a team out. I mean, you might switch to defense, kind of just just try it out. But I think for the most part, I've been uh, a forward for. The, my whole, my
0: whole life. A lot of guys will tell me, like, when they're seven or eight years old, maybe the team doesn't have a a full time goaltender, so everyone has to take their turn putting the pads on. Uh, did you have a night like that?
1: Uh, I don't know. I I probably did when I was really young, but uh, not that I can remember. I don't think I was I was ever a goalie.
0: Uh, that's fine. It seems to be working out as a forward, that's for sure. Uh, take me back to the uh, yeah. the the Bannum draft uh, in your year, and I'm trying to remember. I know it was in 2020. Uh, the timing of the actual 2020 draft, I think it was pushed back, wasn't it, because of COVID? So, what what was draft day like for you?
1: Yeah, it was, it was a really cool day, I think. Uh, I, I stayed home from school that day. I uh, just kind of spent uh, the time at home, and uh, obviously when I got picked there, uh, it was a super cool moment. And obviously, you know, it, it was Regina, close to home. Uh, my family was pretty pumped for that, so yeah, it was a really cool, really cool day, and uh, just uh, spending it with my parents was really, really awesome.
0: Well, I was going to ask about when it's Regina that picks you because it's, uh, you say it's close to home. It's it's in the same province. It's not exactly down the street or anything like that. Uh, I mean, certainly Saskatoon would have been closer. Um, obviously, in in Prince Albert uh, would have been the closest, but pretty good chance. You know, you're going to be moving away from home. Did it matter to you at that point where it was? Uh, you know, what if it was a team in the States or yeah. a team in BC?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't think it would uh, matter that much. I it's, uh, it's obviously nice to to be close to home. i uh, have my parents come to a, a lot of the weekend games and stuff like that. And on the weekend for we a day off or something, they can come spend the day off some supper. But I think uh, no matter where where I got drafted, it'd, it'd be cool to play. And I think uh, – Going away from home, I've, I've been been used to it. I've been doing it since I was 14 now, so I think uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: wouldn't have uh, been that big of a deal.
0: I should note that the uh, Weyburn uh, Red Wings out of the uh, SJHL also drafted you that same year, second overall pick. So I'm guessing they felt there was a pretty good chance you might actually go that route and onto the NCAA. Was that a consideration for you back then?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was actually. I uh, uh, was was 50 50 at the draft. I uh, didn't didn't really know what what I wanted to. I like that college way. I think it uh, it's a really good route to take. I think it develops you as a, a person and and all those things uh, so much. But yeah, I, I signed there too. Uh, I went down there for two months to kind of practice some and stuff like that, and then got reached out by the the paths while I was down there and, and had a little meeting with them, and uh, they asked me to come to the bubble and come play some games. So. I'll, yeah it's uh, pretty hard to turn that down, so that's it's kind of uh, the route I took and i'm uh, glad I took it.
0: Did the pandemic actually have an influence on your decision because I'm trying to remember what was happening in, in college hockey at the time. I think some programs continued playing, some shut down for the for the uh, the season um, but having the ability to go and as you said go play in the bubble in Regina, then that almost was the pandemic almost a uh, a good thing in that regard? Crazy to think.
1: Yeah, I think it actually helped me out uh, <laughs> a ton. I think uh, since it was COVID year, I uh, got the chance to play eight games as a fifteen-year-old. So yeah, I think it's, it, it hurt a lot of people, but I think uh, for for my uh, sake, it, it helped me a lot. So I think, yeah, that was obviously pretty cool to come here in the bubble and uh, super fun.
0: Yeah. Weird to think of it that way, but yeah, I guess in a way, it kind of was. Did you have a program, uh, a a college uh, program in mind at that point?
1: Uh, Yeah, I had a lot of offers to go. Uh, I didn't have uh, one in particular, but uh, yeah, I was obviously on the the watch for some. But yeah, not, not one in particular.
0: All right, fair enough. Tanner Howe, the Regina Pats, my guest, a draft eligible player, uh, and everybody seems to have you inside the first round or right around that first round mark anyway, if not higher. Is the draft something that you're, you spend much time thinking about?
1: Uh, no, not at all. I mean, it's, really? it's obviously in the back of, of your mind. I mean, it's everyone can say they don't think about it, but it's in the back of your mind, so... But I, I try to just, just come to the rink, uh, focus on what I need to do to get better and, and help this team win games and go as far as we can. So I think uh, for me, it's just coming to the rink and focusing on myself and the team. Uh, and uh the end of the year, the draft will come uh, at the day.
0: So you're not a guy who, when the ranks, like Central Scouting puts out their rankings or anything like that, or uh, TSN or Sportsnet, whoever it is, you're not one who maybe it's uh, just at nighttime and you're on your own. You don't Google it on your phone or something to see what people are saying about you?
1: Uh no, not at all. Well. I, mean, I uh yeah, no, at all. I think uh yeah, just kinda of focus on myself. Uh, I mean yeah, just 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 coming to the ring and can focus on
2: myself is very simple.
0: There will be a lot of people who haven't seen you play before. I, I've certainly seen you lots, and the, the Pats have been a pretty good team to watch the last few years for sure. So when you come through Edmonton, it's always a, a high-scoring affair. For those who haven't had a chance to watch you, though, how do you describe yourself as a player?
1: Yeah, I think I'm a solid 200-foot player who uh, loves to get under under an opponent's skin and uh, finish all the checks. And, yeah, I think I have a very high uh, high IQ for the game and know what it be. But I think the biggest thing is just... Uh, but my turn for a game.
0: Well, you're definitely a scorer. We know that. 36 goals last year. You got 17 already this season. Uh, but there's a pretty good balance between your goal scoring and your assist totals, uh, certainly this year for sure. Do you see yourself as as just as good of a setup guy as, as a shooter? Or do you, In your head, do you think you're, of yourself as a sniper?
1: Yeah, I'd say I'm uh, a little bit maybe more of a, a goal scorer, kind of sniper, kind of just finishing... Around the net and whatnot, but yeah, obviously, uh, I think I have a really high IQ uh, for the game and and for the my uh, vision on the ice. And I think that's a big thing and a big thing of who I am. So I think, yeah, I'd make sure of both.
0: I know there was a lot of attention on your team last year and the year before. We know why that was, but having been exposed to that in terms of the draft and how much attention was given to Connor Bedard, what do you learn from that experience that you can put? And, and take and and use for yourself this year
1: yeah i mean uh having him last year was uh so cool and is uh obviously a uh, lifetime thing. so i mean getting to see what he does each and every day and I mean what he does to to make him the best and, and why he's playing in it, it's all i' doing so good is uh definitely so cool and something i uh, took uh pride into to watch what he does and and listen to what he says and all those things, so it's uh, pretty cool to get a chance to play with
0: him. Must be pretty neat to see a guy, whether it's a teammate like that or someone else that you've played with or against in the past in the league, who is now in the NHL. Uh, that it's it's that close. It's you know it doesn't have to be that far away from uh, the uh, Canadian Hockey League to the NHL. Th- that must be exciting to be in your shoes and see that.
1: Yeah, it's it's obviously pretty cool. I mean, like I said. Uh, to play with a player like that, I mean, it's, it doesn't happen to a lot of people. So, I was, yeah, just really grateful to, to be able to play with him and uh, be a good friend of us.
0: Tanner, what do you do uh, away from hockey in the off offseason? Uh, is there something you like to do when you're not practicing or training uh, and thinking about hockey? What do you like to do to unwind?
1: Yeah, I like to, uh, to play pickleball or tennis or, or golf with my buddies. I think that's uh spend a good chunk of the summer doing that. So, I think uh, that's pretty fun and something I love to do.
0: From Prince Albert, I expected fishing to be in your answer, though. You don't go up to Candle Lake or something like that?
1: Yeah, I I love fishing, too. We go up to uh, Jam Lake, the okay of yeah Okay. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I kind of miss that. I yeah, I love fishing.
0: What's the biggest fish you've caught?
1: Uh, I think it was a jackfish. I think it was 18 pounds, maybe. Holy Moses.
0: That's a big fish. Yeah. Well, Tanner, listen, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Uh, Best of luck to the Pats uh, the rest of the way and whatever happens for you at the draft. uh, I I appreciate uh, you taking the time for the Pipeline Show. Thanks for doing this. Good luck.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: That was Tanner Howe, and man, he is a terrific player. If you haven't had a chance to watch the Pats over the last few years, obviously you were missing out because of uh, some of the other talent that the Pats have had. But when I got to see Regina play in Edmonton, it wasn't just a Connor Bedard show. Tanner Howe is a terrific player in his own right, and it was up to playing with a, uh, a future NHL star like that. And I think that is a talent in itself. You need players who are capable of playing with superstars. I think Tanner Howe is a great player on his own, and I have no problem thinking of him as a first-round pick in the NHL draft. Let me know what you think. You can always hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee we got another draft spotlight coming up next. This one, a player who's probably a little less known uh, in general NHL hockey circles. The Scouts know him. His name is Dean Letourneau. He's playing for St. Andrews College, but he'll be somewhere else next year and somewhere else the year after. He'll tell you where next. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky.
2: Hey, it's Tyson Jones from the Pentecton Vs.
0: Jones racing back at center by himself. End to end. Jones shooting scores! Tyson Jones yeah. does it himself. End to end with 2.11 to go. And you're listening to The Pipeline Show.
3: One my mama showed to me from the moment I first met. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a ninety-three percent rate. Trevor Zegers and they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel Jake Gensel banks Gensel. it towards the goalie. Score. Kale McCarr Kale McCarr. McCarr he scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Oh, my goodness gracious! Baby. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And boom
0: goes the dynamite. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We're going to continue with the 2024 draft spotlight segments and uh, get to know yet another player who is eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. Uh, Before we do, a reminder that The Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can get it in three Edmonton and area locations, or if you're in Western Canada, uh, you can get it from uh, WilhockBeefturkey.com, which means my next guest, unfortunately, can't get his hands on any uh, beef turkey Unless you come back out to Edmonton, I know you were out here earlier in your uh, career, Dean. Uh, Dean Letourneau is my guest. He was a uh, big forward with the St. Andrews College Saints. Uh, Dean, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing good. Well, I appreciate you making time for me. I I, I thought you'd probably be doing a lot of media here as a, I think there's growing buzz about uh, about you for the upcoming NHL draft and, and what's not to like? A big six foot six center, two hundred over what are you about two hundred and ten pounds? Right-handed centerman, you guys are worth your weight in gold, and you got a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me about this season for you and for your team. You play. You're what about thirty games into the season with St. Andrews? Uh, I can see you've got sixty nine points, so I imagine you have to be happy with your production. But how's the team playing?
2: Yeah, I mean we're playing really well. Uh, we we had a hot start to the year. We were nine and zero, and then we got our first loss. Uh, but we bounced back with another ten game streak, hmm. and uh, we've just we just continued on. Um, and then we got a little tournament up this weekend in Boston that uh, we're looking to go into and win. A lot of prep. Uh, you're playing against uh,
0: teams in uh, the United States and Canada, correct?
2: Yep, we're playing against. Yeah, it's a bunch of uh, prep teams uh, up in this tournament, and then. In Canada, we play against some some junior teams and uh, more more prep teams as well.
0: What's the biggest rival for Saint Andrews College?
2: I would say Shattuck Saint Mary's, of course. Uh, We always we always usually have a pretty good rival with them, and uh, yeah, we have we played them uh, once this well twice this year actually, and we split with them. They won they won one, we won one. Um, So this year should be another good rivalry rivalry between them. All right,
0: so bragging rights on the line when you meet with them next. Uh, This is your second season at Saint Andrews. What is different about year one to year two?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, last year, you know, there's was, there's was older guys, there's grade twelves that were kind of kind of counted on to uh, lead the team. Um, but this year, it's, it's kind of been kind of been me and, and some other guys counted on to lead the team, which which I uh, I really like that. I like being counted on um, and being important to the team, being important to, to winning games.
0: Uh, all right, well, tell me about yourself as a player in terms of your development over the last couple of years. You. Think back to when you pulled on the jersey to where you are right now. What's changed for you?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, the only thing that's really changed is, uh, I mean, we're kind of older, um, more, more ice time, like coach kind of relies on us more. Um, we're, we're, we're in all scenarios of the game, like power play, penalty kill, uh, we're playing five on five, playing the last minutes of the game. Um, so that's kind of been, been the biggest change, it's just developing in, in all the different aspects uh, of the game.
0: I am, I'm guessing you're, well, you keep saying we all the time, so I'm guessing you're talking about yourself and maybe Jack Good, line mates, I'm, I'm assuming, yep. since both of you are miles ahead of everybody else on the team in scoring, I'm guessing you play together.
2: That's, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Me and me and Jack have uh, found some good chemistry um, start the year, and even at the end of last year, and uh, it's continued on, and we've been working really well playing together.
0: Well, outstanding. Uh, Dean Letourneau is my guest. He's a uh, forward with uh, St. Andrews College. And draft eligible this year. Uh, Dean, uh, this program, the Pipeline Show, it's a junior and college hockey show. But even at, uh, even, even though it's a, uh, the audience will know a lot of junior and college hockey, but a, a place like St. Andrews might not be on the radar for a whole lot of people. So uh, there might be some yep. people who don't know you at all at this point. But uh, as the draft gets closer and closer, your name is going to get out there even more. So uh, casual NHL fans who don't even care about junior hockey are going to want to know you. Uh, so for those people, let's get some background.
2: Uh, where are you from? I'm um, from a small town just outside of Ottawa. I live in, Ar- it's called Prior, Ontario. Okay. Yeah, a little, a little outside of Ottawa, a little west, um, just kind of in the country, down the valley. How old were you
0: when you first started playing hockey? Do you remember?
2: Yeah. I mean, my dad kind of got me into skating, uh, not just playing hockey, like skating when I was about two and a half. And then I, I think I got right into hockey when I was three. Okay. So that same year, when I first learned how to skate, because um, my dad played growing up, taught my brothers how to play, so he thought he'd, he'd get me in there as well, and and I've uh, really enjoyed that so far in my life.
0: You're a forward, but have you always been a forward, or did you try any other positions along the way?
2: Uh, I've always been a forward uh, my whole life, uh, even though my dad my dad was a defenseman growing up, and and his whole life, so it's a little weird how that worked out. Defenseman teaches a kid how to be forward. Yeah.
3: So. <laughs>
0: Well, and at 6'6", six, six, you might be prototypical goaltender height uh, these days. I know when I talk to a lot of players on this show, some of them will tell me like when they're 7 or 8, 9 years old, their regular team didn't have a full-time goalie, so everyone had to take their turn in net.
2: Yeah. Did you have a night like that? I, we did, yeah. I had a uh, couple games where I had to play some goalie. Uh, my dad never liked me playing goalie, because <laughs> the gear, playing goalie, is so expensive and stuff, so yeah. he always wanted me to play player. Um, but yeah, I did, I did have... Uh, couple years where i I was bugging my parents about being goalie but i mean it's worked out so far being a forward so i'm happy with that
0: that's true but you actually did have an interest in being a goaltender it wasn't just you know i I gotta take my turn
2: i did yeah i did have an interest in being goalie um when i was a like young young kid but uh no it didn't really work out
0: i guess not but as you said being a forward's uh doing pretty well for yourself now you're uh, headed to the NCAA, at least uh, according to the last that I've heard, uh, won't be for another year or two unless that's changed as well. Maybe, maybe we'll let's start with that. Why the college route for you? And do you expect that uh, you will be uh, at Boston College next season or the year after?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I kind of chose the college route, um, just cause it gives you, gives me a longer, longer runway, longer time to develop, um, to become the best player I can be. So if that opportunity comes to step in the NHL, I'll be, I'll be as prepared as possible. Um, but I think the plan for me um, is to take a year in the USHL uh, and then go into Boston College, just because again, like I want to, I want to go into the whatever league I'm going in. I want to be able to dominate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel if, if I take that year in the USHL, I can come into college and and I can I can be the best I can possibly be and, and dominate.
0: Well, I know uh, Sioux Falls drafted you in the USHL draft. Are they still the team that holds your rights, and is that where you're expecting to play next year?
2: Yep, yeah. I'm actually going down to uh, play some games for them uh, over Christmas. Okay. Um, so I'm going to play some games down there, and then that's, that's that's the spot where I'm going to be next year, too, most likely.
0: Okay. Uh, I kind of chuckled when you said it provides me a longer runway so I can improve physically. You're 6'6 and 210 pounds. You're way ahead of the, the curve for most guys your age. I wonder, have you always been like the biggest kid in your class and stuff growing up, or did you— Hit fourteen and suddenly uh, grow like a Wookie.
2: Nah, I've always kind of been the tallest guy. I've just kept growing. Most guys have like a, a big growth spurt at some point in their life. Uh, mine just kind of continued out, where I'd, I grow a little two, two or three inches every year. Um, but I think I'm, I think I'm done growing now. So oh, you think you're done now? Yeah, I think I think I've peaked.
0: Uh, I have to ask you. I know the uh, Ontario Hockey League's um, Owen Sound Attack had drafted you as well. In fact, a year earlier in 2022. Was that a consideration for you, or have you always known that you are going the college route? I know they drafted in ninth round. Something tells me you had already decided by then that you were going to head to college and let everybody know.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, growing up in, in our prior small town, I didn't really know too much about about the college route. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my only uh, personal idea was that where I wanted to play was the OHL. Um, and then going into my draft year, uh, the draft happened. I, I got picked a little later than I, than I thought I I should have, okay. uh, which is all right, because uh, everything happens for a reason. So, uh, I kind of decided like the college route would probably be best for me just because it'll give me more time to develop, uh, before, before the NHL. Um, and so that longer route has kind of worked out for me so far. So I'll, I'm going to stick to that.
0: Why Boston College? Uh, certainly a, a, well, highly regarded program. There's no, it's not a, a question of, uh, is that a, the right choice or is that a good or a bad choice? It's a great choice. But why is it the right program for you?
2: Yeah, well, I, mean, I really love their campus. Uh, when, I, when I got there, it felt like campus here at St. Andrews. Um, so I just saw myself waking up there every day. And uh, I also wanted to go to a school where I thought they would develop me to be the best player I can possibly be. Um, so when it's time to step into that, into the NHL or wherever, pro hockey, um, I'll, I'll be prepared as possible. And I thought Boston College was, was that place to do that for me.
0: Dean Letourneau, my guest, afford forward at St. Andrews, eventually will be at uh, Sioux Falls, and uh, beyond that, Boston College, draft-eligible player this year. Let's talk about that draft. Uh, I don't know how much time you spend thinking about it. I'm sure it's been circled on your, your calendar, sort of, uh, metaphorically, uh, for a long time. It's a big year. I'm sure you've been looking forward to it. A lot of guys will tell me they don't want to think about the draft, though. They don't want it to become a distraction. Uh, but there seems like a growing number of players who – they, they're Googling their name. They want to see who's got them ranked where, and, and they use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of both. Um, I like to use, I like to Google my name sometimes to see where people have me ranked and use it as motivation as well, uh, just because it pushes me. I always see you want to get your name called as high as possible. Um, so you got to use that as motivation every day to get better, uh, get stronger, put in the extra time. Um, but also there's that part where you don't want to be thinking about it too much. Um, just because you don't want it to impact how you play on the ice and how you live your everyday life, right? Um, so I've kind of, kind of, I've kind of pushed myself more to not, not worry about it because um, I don't want it to impact me, me on the ice and, and my mental, my mental uh, well being. So I kind of try to stay away from that.
0: But at least when Central Scouting puts out their ranking, they give you a B and they think you know that's a second or third rounder. At least that's acknowledgement that not, first off they've seen you, you're you're being seen by scouts, yep. and secondly. Hey, they're thinking pretty highly of you, too. Yep. Yeah, so the, there's really no negatives when you look at it that way. I understand what you're saying, though, Yeah. that you don't want it to be a distraction. For those of us, and this includes myself, I haven't seen you play yet. So uh, outside of the stats, which, again, are ridiculous, 36 goals, 33 assists, 69 points in just 30 games, it's like you're playing without goaltenders or something in that league, uh, it seems like. Uh, outside of obviously being a highly offensive player, Maybe the stats don't tell the whole story. How do you describe yourself as a player, uh, Dean?
2: Yeah, I mean, I kind of I describe myself as a 200 foot centerman. Um, I like to try to take care of the D zone first, uh, just try not to get scored on, and then then go on and play offense. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the 200 foot centerman who loves to compete. Uh, I play hard. I play as physical as I can, um, and obviously, like I love to score goals. Uh, that's that's one thing that's that that I find very fun about hockey, just putting the puck in the net. Um so yeah.
0: Well I I'm looking at your uh, your team's roster right now. Oliver Turner is 6 foot 4. Other than that, I mean you are by far the biggest guy on your team. I know you got a goaltender that's 6 foot 3, but as for skaters, it looks like in your league if your team is an example of everybody else that you're playing against, you got a huge physical advantage uh, against your peers right now. How does that uh, affect you on the ice and how do you prepare for the future when that won't necessarily be the case. There'll be lots of guys your size.
2: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it affects me too much on the ice. Um, Cause I've always kind of been the tallest kid. So I've been, I'm kind of used to it by now. Right. Um, but for the future where, where maybe I won't be the tallest guy on the ice. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how, how I'm going to feel about that. Like it'll, it'll probably just go the same on. I won't really think about it too much. Uh, I'm just going to play my game. Cause I, I know, how to, I know how to play. I know how to play my game. So Probably just continue playing my game. There might be some bigger guys, but I know how to take him physical, so I'll definitely be able to keep up with them.
0: That's fair enough. Uh, i got to ask you about the 2015-2016 uh, Toronto Bulldogs. You got to play in the Brick Invitational here in my city in Edmonton at, at West Edmonton Mall. It's quite the event. Uh, and it's uh, There's a lot of people that come to the mall and watch that. As a player who uh, had that experience, what what was that like? What are your memories of that event?
2: Yeah, I mean... I remember playing with uh, – well, I, I never actually knew a lot of the guys on the team uh, before going to the Bulldogs because I was from Ottawa. They were all from Toronto. Okay. So I remember just, just meeting all the new guys on the team, uh, going down to Toronto every weekend for practices and stuff. Uh, we all had a blast. I met all the new guys. Uh, and then we got to Edmonton. I, we, we beat the uh, other Toronto team, the Marlies, 6 nothing in the, semi for the quarterfinals, uh, which was definitely a highlight. Highlight of our tournament, uh, even though we lost in the semis, uh, just beating that beating that other Toronto team, knowing we're the, we're the best Toronto team, uh, just uh, was a was a good memory for us.
0: So you're big on bragging, right? Say eh? it sounds like you're talking about the same way with Shattuck. <laughs> big rivalry there. Um, it's interesting yeah. you, you pull, on that team you got to play with some guys who are also draft eligible this year and, and names of note: Ryerson Leenders, who's a goalie in the OHL, could be the first goalie taken. Zane Parek is probably one of the best defensemen. In the draft class this year, I know Michael Haig is playing in the USHL and, and having a, a decent season with the Chicago Steel. So there's a lot of recognizable names for sure. Uh, what about playing in a shopping mall like that? Probably an experience that you you've, you didn't have before or since.
2: Yeah, no, it was definitely an experience for sure. Uh, my brother actually played in that tournament as well. Okay. So uh, I kind of kind of got a little insight on, on what it was going to be like before. Um, but yeah, no, it was definitely awesome with uh, people just coming around touring the mall and, and watching you play. Um, which is which is definitely definitely awesome experience to have. Do you stay in the mall?
0: Like at the hotel in the mall?
2: Yeah, our team actually did. And it was actually pretty cool. Like all the all the different uh rooms in the hotel were, were like different themed. So yeah. so there was like I don't know, like jungle themed or, or volcano themed rooms, uh which is which was pretty neat.
0: Uh, okay. Lastly, what do you like to do away from uh, away from hockey, like in the off season or something, when you're not training and you're not on the ice practicing, working on hockey? What do you like to do to get uh, get away from it and unwind a bit?
2: Uh, for, I mean, I, I just play hockey a lot. Um, <laughs> I play a lot of sports too. That's kind of that's kind of what I do. I don't, Other people have a lot of different hobbies and stuff. Mine's just sports. I play play a lot of golf, tennis, uh, basketball in the driveway with my brothers, uh, some volleyball. Uh, i just yeah i try to i try to stay as active as possible
0: all right whenever i get a golfer on i have to ask them uh, what their favorite course is to play it might be a you know a, a course that everybody's heard of or it might be your local community course or something like that doesn't matter yeah uh which one do you like
2: yeah i mean i live two minutes down the road from a golf course my home golf course called Sandpoint. okay um so i, I love golfing there. I've in there over 200 times uh in my life and uh it's just awesome because I have a bunch of buddies who work there, so we'll just go out go out after hours and, uh, and play a few holes. Um, so, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, that works out well.
0: Uh, favorite NHL team growing up?
2: Yeah, uh, I've always loved the Pittsburgh Penguins growing up. Um, they've been my favorite. My favorite player growing up was Sidney Crosby. Uh, so they go hand-in-hand hand there, Pittsburgh and Sidney. Um, so, yeah.
0: Outstanding. Dean, hey, this, is a, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you making time. Best of luck the rest of the way this year. With uh, St. Andrews and whatever happens to the draft, maybe we'll uh, cross paths again.
2: Awesome. Thank you very much for your time.
0: That was Dean Letourneau, a very well-spoken young man who is uh, eventually going to play for the Boston College Eagles and uh, maybe a bit of a draft day wild card right now because I think the buzz is starting to grow and what's not to like, a six foot 6 right-handed centerman? Are you kidding? At this point, given a B rating by essential Scouting, his number's absolutely gaudy right now uh, playing for St. Andrews College. He's a, more than a two-point-per-game player at that level. See how he does over the uh, the holiday break where he's going to play some USHL games for the Sioux Falls Stampede. If he has similar success there, maybe that stock really takes a bump even more so. Something to watch for, that's for sure. All right, that is going to do it for this week's episode of the of the Pipeline Show. Quick reminder, everyone who has been signing up to be a patron at patreon.com, whether you're doing it on a monthly basis, on an annual basis, where you get a 10% discount, or perhaps you're just trying a seven-day free trial, dipping your toe in the water, seeing what it's like to have instant access to over 800 archived interviews over the last number of years here from the program. All of that available at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. Big thank you to everyone who has been doing that next week should be somewhat of a normal show I would have to think then we get into the Christmas and New Year and Boxing Day and that week there may be, I'm i am leaning towards having a sort of a best of uh, episode that I'll put together no it's World Junior season so that would be the, the reason if I do actually try to have a, a normal show it would be because of that uh, but we'll see playing it by ear at the moment how about that Whatever the case, I hope you can get out and watch some junior or college hockey so that we can talk about it next week right here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, my name is Ski Flaming. See ya.